Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Maddie Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Going There, the crossroads where music and mental health meet. Today we are talking with Claude Mintz, otherwise known as the singer-songwriter Claude. Claude is gender non-binary and uses the pronouns they, them. Claude is a strong LGBTQ advocate and has sung about LGBTQ issues, including their absolutely killer song in 2019, Wish You Were Gay. Claude recently became the first artist to sign to Phoebe Bridgers' record label, Saddest Factory, and is being hailed as one of the premier artists of the genre, Bedroom Pop. Bedroom Pop refers to the vibe that many of us have had in isolation during the pandemic, where we redefine how we relate to the world and particularly to the immediate surroundings that we are in. And they just released their first full-length album, Super Monster, with songs that I really dig, such as Soft Spot. The album is getting great reviews, being called exceptional, with evocative melodies and impenetrable production. And you can see Claude on their North American tour starting in February of 2022. So check out their new music, tour dates, and merch at claude.online. Now, on the Going There podcast, we have the tough conversations to address important issues so that we can learn from each other, challenge the stigma of mental illness, and get the care we need. And Claude and I discussed a very tough issue, which is when we struggle with multiple types of anxiety. For many of us, our anxiety doesn't just manifest in one way, but expresses itself in multiple symptoms that are sometimes considered separate anxiety disorders. So for example, Claude talks about possibly having OCD, or obsessive compulsive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety, and panic attacks. These disorders are different in their symptom profiles, but are similar in that they revolve around our anticipating negative, often catastrophic outcomes, having an intense stress reaction, and engaging in thoughts and behaviors that are designed to cope with these negative outcomes. So let's talk about the specific symptoms that Claude discusses. Generalized anxiety is characterized by excessive worry, in which we go over things in our head repeatedly and often engage in certain behaviors to avoid a bad outcome. So for example, Claude discussed their persistent worry about being late to an appointment and practicing the route to get to the appointment multiple times during a day to avoid being late. Social anxiety is the anxiety that we have during specific social situations, usually involving meeting new people or speaking in public. In these moments, we often think people are judging us harshly as awkward or weird, and we will often avoid those situations to prevent that potential judgment. 
Claude talks about being afraid people will never want to see them again and how they will perhaps drink alcohol to calm their nerves. Claude also talks about struggling with OCD, which occurs when we have a repetitive thought that we can't get out of our head and or feel we have to engage in compulsive behavior to avoid the feared outcome. So Claude talked about how their mind focuses on certain things that they find disgusting or unacceptable, like someone drinking from their glass for fear of germs. And they feel compelled at times to act harshly to let people know that the behavior is terrifying, not just mildly bothersome. And Claude also describes the anxiety getting so intense at times that they experience panic attacks in certain situations, in which they experience intense feelings of shakiness, racing thoughts, and shortness of breath. This would occur for them sometimes at night while lying in the dark, where most people feel alone in their thoughts, which can be terrifying for people who struggle with anxiety. Now, regardless of how anxiety manifests, it can be incredibly stressful and debilitating, really interfering with our ability to engage in the basic daily activities of life. And Claude talks about how they cope with anxiety, including taking antidepressive medication, which many people utilize to control the intensity of anxiety, particularly OCD. Now, as we progress through this season of Going There, our goal is to bring you, the audience, further into the conversation. On the Consequence website and wherever you find these episodes, you'll find a short questionnaire. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions you have that have been sparked by our conversations with these incredible artists, and topics you'd love to see addressed. We incorporate these responses into episodes, as well as a monthly column called Ask Dr. Mike on the Consequence website. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. These help other folks find their way into the conversation so they can go there with us. And also, if you have a chance, the Timeless Podcast Company presents a powerful new series, Breaking Anonymity, where artists sit down to discuss their personal struggles with addiction, substance abuse, and recovery. So join hosts MC Search and Kyle Eustace as they share their own experience, strength, and hope while having thoughtful conversations with other addicts from across the music and entertainment landscape. Catch Breaking Anonymity wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes dropping every Wednesday. Now, getting back to the Going There interview, let's go there and listen to what Claude has to say. All right, Claude, welcome to Going There. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you and I were talking beforehand about anxiety and obviously anxiety is something that a lot of people struggle with, but it's usually different for different people. And so if you're comfortable, maybe we can start with just talking about what kind of anxiety you struggle with and how it feels for you. Uh, yeah, I, it's been something I think I've struggled with for a while Um, but I saw like a psychiatrist for the first time, like six months ago. Um, and she said that I just have like a general anxiety, but when it's really bad, I have OCD, I guess, or I have OCD tendencies, um, which made a lot of sense, (laughs) but yeah. So let's just make a distinction between those two things and just get a sense uh, of you kind of where those, those symptoms fall for you. So most of the time when people talk about general generalized anxiety, what they're Mm -hmm. talking about is worry. Mm -hmm. Does that feel like what's happening most of the time for you that you just feel like you're kind of worrying about a lot of different things? Yeah. Like over worrying about everything. And, and, can you give an example of what something would be like kind of a, a 
prototypical focus of your worry? Like if I have an appointment at 3 p.m. and it's 9 a.m., I'm going to wake up at 9 a.m. and I'm going to think the whole day about how I'm going to get there and how I'm going to make sure I get there on time. I'm going to map it out on my phone like six times and get there like I don't want to be early, but I really don't want to be late. So I have to like walk around the block twice to make sure I get there at the right time. That kind of thing. Yeah. And one of the things that's very interesting about worry is that at its core, it's actually a very adaptive thought process and behavior. I mean, think about what you just described, you know, Mm -hmm. you basically thinking ahead you're planning because it's something that's important to you. And you really are being thorough about making sure that the outcome you want occurs. But for a lot of people, the worry doesn't feel that way or it doesn't necessarily stop there. Do you have a sense of, of where it might cross over into something that, that maybe isn't as helpful? Oh, uh, yeah. Um... I mean, I think I have a lot of like social anxiety. So like going to social gatherings or even a social gathering of like two people is like really, really scary for me. And I'll like overcompensate in other ways, whether it's just like getting, whether I drink it or not, getting like extra alcohol just to have there, just in case we need it, you know, or uh, talking talking, 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 like so much so that there's never like a second of silence type thing. You know, when when people get social anxiety, oftentimes what they experience is that fear of negative evaluation. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're so worried that something bad is going to happen. Does that, when you're in social situations, is that something that you tend to worry about? Yeah, definitely. And do you have a sense of what kind of things you imagine happening that are that are problematic? Just like this person doesn't like me and I'm never gonna hear from them again. Um, They're gonna tell all their friends that I'm weird or something like that. And, you know, again, one of the things that's so tough about anxiety, or at least I find that's very difficult about anxiety is that it's not necessarily problematic to think about that possibility. I mean, you know, when you go into a social situation or you go into a situation like you described where you have an appointment, there's something that can be very adaptive about looking at all of the possible outcomes and considering what could go right or what could go wrong. And, you know, maybe I can even back up to something, you know, before that we were saying, which was, do you feel like there's any adaptive qualities to your anxiety? Like, do you feel like that helps motivate you to think about situations and to work on them? Um, sometimes. I think like, like with COVID, probably like the reason, knock on wood, I haven't gotten COVID yet is because my instincts are always like, don't go, you know, like you're gonna get COVID. Don't go to this. And it's worked so far. <laughs> But, yeah. Well, because, yeah, like in all three situations that you've described, right, whether Mm -hmm. or not it's worrying about an appointment or worrying about a social event or now worrying about COVID, what I'm hearing, and you can tell me if I'm 
if I'm wrong about that, is that you're thinking very deeply about things. You're mm -hmm. contemplating things that could go right or wrong and yeah. you're taking action. Sometimes maybe the action's a little bit, you feel like it works a little bit better. Sometimes it doesn't, but that is still such a powerful system. Mm -hmm. And it, it sounds like, as you said, like, you know, you're getting to the appointment on time. You're, you know, you're not getting COVID knock on wood, you know, maybe in those social situations, you do actually make it so that, you know, it's endearing or, or people connect with you. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that makes anxiety, I think, very difficult to let go of because there are parts of it that that do kind of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And do you and do you does it but for a lot of people, it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel often like, oh, I'm using my anxiety to take care of things. It feels like I'm, I'm kind of chasing the feeling a little bit yeah it never feels like rewarding by any means like even if i get to the place on time it's never like i'm more just like stressed about how stressed i was getting there you know like exhausted really um and it's yeah yeah and do you find that you get you know getting back to the concept of generalized anxiety and it, it kind of the, the worry one of the things that people have is they have physical symptoms they have trouble mm -hmm. sleeping they have headaches they have stomach aches does that yeah. does that happen for you yeah um i have really bad stomach issues i get bruises on my legs like on my shins mm -hmm. sometimes if my stomach is really bad um yeah <laughs> those are the main two yeah. And, you know, if you feel comfortable, the social anxiety is something that so many people, I mean, look, anxiety in general is very common. Worry is extremely common. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so if, but there's something about social anxiety, I think, especially for younger people that really, really, really resonates for them. And so if you're comfortable, I would love to talk a little bit more about that because that also comes across in your music a lot like you really dive into that yeah um yeah i think like i'm just thinking about like you brought up my song soft spot earlier and like the first like line of the song is like this sounds kind of strange i thought i saw you at a party but when i finally got close it wasn't you and that's literally about me like being at a party like thinking that I maybe see somebody who I wasn't ready to see. And then like the whole time in my head being like, how am I going to approach this person? How am I going to say hi? What am I going to say when we talk? Like what's going to happen when I go up to them? Like blah, blah, blah. And then I went up to them and it wasn't even them. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that maybe we can even think back to a little bit, um, because again, you know, we did talk ahead of time, like the concept of soft spot um, or, or the song, Wish You Were, Wish You Were Gay. That, mm -hmm. that I, have, I have to say that, that that song really, I don't know. I mean, a lot of your songs are very popular. There's something about those two songs that felt very visceral. Um, and it's that, that idea, or at least visceral for me, I should say, like when, when, you're, when you're kind of wanting 
something so badly and you're just like hoping for it with no idea if it's going to work out mm-hmm. it, it inherently like creates this this unbelievably awkward situation mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah um, for, i think maybe so i don't think people would describe me as like an awkward person but I would describe myself as that, whether I come off as awkward or not. Like every time I leave a situation, I'm like, that was so awkward. And everybody was like, everybody's like, it was. And I'm like, yeah, that was so awkward. But usually it's probably not, but everything feels like uncomfortable and awkward for me. Well, one of the things that they show with studies is that when you have social anxiety, the way that you perform is rated a lot better than how you think people are evaluating you. So in other words, like people think much higher of you and your social performance than you do of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the reasons is that you're the only one who really fully knows how badly you may want to connect either with someone or just in general. You're, Mm -hmm. You're the only one who really has any sense of what makes it in theory awkward. Like for all, you you know, for all, people know you're just kind of sitting there being like I want to listen to the music and I couldn't be bothered but you know deep down how much you may want something to happen mm-hmm. that's really interesting <laughs> yeah I guess one of the things that I'm kind of curious about is when you feel that way and again it's 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 very vivid in your songs just w- one of the things that happens for people with social anxiety is they have a lot of self-talk and that can make it also very uncomfortable and awkward because it's like it's like I'm trying to concentrate here, but you have this like voice in your head that's like saying often negative things, you know. So you've got all these things happening, like you want something so badly, you've got these voice in your head, and it's just like, oh my God, how am I gonna how am I gonna navigate all this? I'm just kind of curious if you find yourself with those kind of negative self-statements in those moments. Yeah, definitely. Or I'm, I'm like constantly overanalyzing what I say or what other people say to me. Um, or like if what I said was weird, you know, and then I won't say anything again for like five minutes or I will just keep talking. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, and it's hard because in a lot of situations, you can't really stop i mean you can if you wanted to but but people don't generally stop and be like okay let me check in was that weird what i just said you know like and then as you're talking like within a minute you could already have wrapped up in your head oh my god i think i just said like three weird things and like have i like blown the whole discussion Mm -hmm. in the first minute Mm -hmm. yeah or like i like a lot of times like in interviews, not necessarily right now, but a lot of times I'm thinking about what I'm gonna say next or I'm thinking about like how I'm coming off. And then I don't even know what the question is. You know what I mean? I'm like, wait, what did you say? Yeah, because it's like, and this is something, whether it's worry with generalized anxiety, social anxiety, whether it's a a fear of health issues, you know, because anxiety tends to, you know, just it's sort of active in us no matter what the situation is. And we, we give it labels as though it's different, but it, it, it tends to be kind of similar. And one of the things that's so tough about it is that you're, you are having this very detailed dialogue in your head. 
there is a lot going on. You are trying to, you know, work something out. And a lot of times we do just miss, okay, like, oh God, like I, I know you've been talking for the last like two minutes, but I've just been thinking again about that, that thing that I thought was weird from five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. So now we're, we're actually kind of, now there's a disconnect and like, what do you do then? Mm-hmm. I constantly find myself like outside of the conversation, like, especially if I'm in like a group of three or it just in a situation where other people are able to carry the conversation. Like I've, I'm, I'm like, I'm not here right now. Like I have no idea how to jump into the conversation and I feel like I shouldn't. Um, yeah. And I feel like not a part of it at all. Yeah. But you know, one of the things that I've found when ever I've had social anxiety where it was really bad, it was, I felt like I'm sitting there and especially in the situation that you're describing, like there's, there's three people, I'm one of them. And you get that feeling like, oh, they're connecting and I'm not. Mm-hmm. And you start having this moment of like, should I just leave? Like, do I stay? Like, and then I, for me, I almost feel like I'm like physically like floating away. Like yeah. I almost feel like I can look down on myself and I'm like, oh my God, like my head gets hot. And it's mm-hmm. like, this is like, this is the worst. I was like, you know, I was like, thank God for cell phones because I can always pretend now that like, oh, I, I got a call, you know, that yeah, that one's obvious. Or like, I'm doing something really important on my phone right now. And that's why I'm not a part of this conversation. I am so important. Like you have no idea how important I am right now that this is going to no. take me away from my otherwise important role in this conversation. Yeah. Just sitting here not saying anything. I'm just like, y'all, what's going on on my phone right now is wild. I got to deal with it. <laughs> I am so glad that you do not have to deal with all that's happening right now, that you guys don't have the burden of this. But if it's okay, <laughs> I'm going to leave. No. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so hard in those situations because I don't know that there's necessarily a right answer. Like, I would love it if someone like sat down and said to me like, okay, like when you notice to, and I, I do this for a living, I guess, like, I, I guess I'm someone who's supposed to know these things, but like, like, yeah, if you're sitting with two people and they seem to be really connecting, like, is the polite thing to bear witness to their connection or is the polite thing to give them the space? Like, I, I don't even really know the answer. I know. I know. It's like, do I like let them talk? Am I like intruding by saying anything, but also I'm like here right now. Do they want me to be here? Like, ugh. Yeah, it's like, I want like, like, is this the time where I show like how cool I am with like not having to talk and like just being able to be there? Like, these are all things that like, I'm not good at. And mm. and then I'm like, oh my God, this is like, so not my skill set. Like, I'm just have to sit here quietly. Yeah. Uh, uh, it just depends on the situation for me, I think. Have you now one of the things that sometimes happens for people in those moments is they get panic. You know, it goes beyond like worry tends to be kind of like a dull aching pain that can spike up a little bit, but it tends to 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 kind of be in a certain zone. But when we get panicked, it can feel like it's an attack of sorts, you know, obviously the term panic attack. Does that ever happen in those situations? I think I try not to panic when I'm like around people. Um, 
And I think like panicking is always looks a little different for me. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like sometimes I start to get like really shaky and my breathing gets kind of short. And in my head, I'm thinking like 10,000 things and probably only saying like a couple things, but I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have done this or maybe this is all my fault. And like, maybe I should have, you know, whatever, but yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because that now as you're talking, I'm almost wondering if, you know, it's different for people because with the breathing, because I, you know, what you just said makes a lot of sense to me. Like when I'm in front of people, I don't let myself get the frantic, heavy, like I, 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 I know I can't get frantic, so it's got to kind of almost come out in other ways, which is why I think I have that like floating mm. feeling. But when I'm alone, I actually like will let myself get frantic. So it's interesting that you're saying that because I'm wondering if it's like, okay, so that's more like kind of panic attack. It's a different kind of panic attack, like a more conventional one, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's more just like, yeah, no, I used to get like really bad, like honestly, before I started like medication, I used to get like really anxious, like every night before I went to bed, like just like laying in bed with the lights off. I would be like, what if somebody breaks in right now? I'm so vulnerable or like, you know, like what did I lock my doors? I have to go check like 30 times. Like, and can I tell you there, there's different words that tend to lead to anxiety and one of them is should. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I should be doing something. Right. Mm -hmm, because yeah. every time, right. Every time there's like a should, it's like, oh, like I'm supposed to be doing this. So if I do it, I don't get any credit for it because I'm supposed to, you know, I should be doing it. Mm -hmm. but if I don't, I'm like the worst, you know, person on the planet. Mm -hmm. But what if, or maybe is, is horrific for anxiety because it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not falsifiable. Like you can't, like you're sitting there like, well, what if someone breaks in? Well, you can't prove that somebody. Mm -hmm is isn't gonna break in mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's horrible in those in those circumstances and it's like and that that really i think is one of the things that then for some people you know you were talking before about worry turning into ocd so it's like like worry in theory is when at least is my understanding of is like you're working on something. Whereas like obsession is uh, of OCD is like, you're just spinning, mm -hmm. right? Like, no, you're not working on anything. You're just thinking of the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And I don't know, like for you, like where that crosses over, but it sounds like those evening things could cross over into that. Cause there's nothing to figure out really. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Or sometimes I'm like too scared to even like get up to check the locks or something. So I just like lay there. Um, I think like with with OCD, it's more like if I like I was moving like a few months ago, I was moving one apartment. I was moving around the corner from my old apartment, just like down the street. And I don't have that much stuff. So it was like a really easy move. But I couldn't sleep at night because I was thinking about what I was going to put into the boxes and like how I was going to put them in the boxes and then when I was going to move it and like just like thinking like okay when I wake up in the morning I'm going to put these books in this box 
when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to put these books in this box. I'm going to put these books in this box. These, You know, just like thinking over and over, like, don't forget that you're going to put these books in this box, you know? Um, so that was really bad. But yeah, it comes up in certain situations, I think. You know, now that we've talked about kind of how it, it manifests for you, mm-hmm. I guess if you feel comfortable just talking about how you've, you know, like how you understand why it happens. Like, do you, do you have a model in your head of like, okay, this is why I get anxious or these are the particular triggers or anything like that? Um, I, sometimes, sometimes it's just like so unpredictable for me. Um, but like a lot of times, like if like somebody I know has a cold, I'll get like really anxious. I can't go into their house or their room or like I have to stay really far away um it like yeah like I I don't know it's just dependent on the situation I think yeah because one of the things that's been so tough about COVID is that you know in general like transitions are very anxiety provoking for people so you said you know about moving but you know, and, and and yes, in the past, it's always felt like, well, you know, of course, if someone coughs, you could get sick, but it's like, but now a lot of these fears are are, are kind of real. I mean, they've always been real in the, in the classic sense, but now if somebody coughs or somebody is sick, all of a sudden that previously like, oh, maybe you're being a little, you know, you're worrying a little, you're being obsessive about it. It's like, well, you, you kind of have to do that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too, though, like, I, I mean, I've always been like this, like I've never been able to share like a cup or like if somebody's like, oh, do you want to try this? It's really good. I'm like, I can't, like if your fork touched it, I'm not touching it. Like I can't. And now with COVID people are starting to understand that a little bit more, but at the same time, like I definitely got a lot of like shade from my friends um, about like being overly cautious even though I don't think that could even exist with COVID, like I think overly cautious is good and there's no such thing as overly cautious, but um, it definitely made some things difficult like for my friends, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, talking about things that contribute to anxiety. And look, it's so, it's so tough because, you know, not everybody understands anxiety, you know, and people in theory want the the best for you and, and so if they see something that they think is problematic you know they'll comment on it but oftentimes what really happens is that they see something it makes them uncomfortable and then what they say to you is not really about you it's about managing their own anxiety mm-hmm. and so it's easy for them to just kind of dismiss it and be like oh you don't you know you don't have to think about that and it's like oh, that, that didn't really help at all yeah yeah or I'm like, why aren't, why isn't this person worried enough? Like, should I be worried now being around them? Like, you know. Hi there. This is Dr. Mike Friedman from Going There with Dr. Mike, the crossroads where music and mental health meet. After you check out the latest episode of my show, be sure to check out some of the other great programs on Consequence Podcast Network, including the Opus and Kyle Meredith with. Head to Consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others. 
that's something that I definitely struggle with when I work with people, because one of the things that will sometimes happen is that as people become less anxious, they feel better because anxiety is so burdensome. But, you know, to be honest, they're not necessarily being as thorough. You know, they're not thinking about potential risks. They're not being as yeah. thorough like you are. I mean, think about all the things just in this brief discussion mm-hmm. that it sounds like you take care of really well. Yeah. You know? It's sort of, and that's 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 tough because it's sort of like, you're right. Like you're looking around being like, I'm, I'm the one that's being made to feel other, but like, I don't know. I, I think I'm on the right page here. Mm-hmm. And I do get what you're saying too. Like sometimes my anxiety, my anxiety gets so bad that I just completely neglect it and I'll like go out all week or I'll like like convince myself I don't care about anything and I don't care about COVID, I don't care about music or whatever. And then I'll have that for like a couple weeks and then I'll come back and I'll be like, what did I do? You know, like it's this terrible cycle. God. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly I, I resonate so much with that cycle that you just described yeah I, I think there's so many people that do because sometimes you just want to be like oh I just want my brain to shut off just enough already yeah and and then you feel like oh my god I found something that shuts it off like maybe I'll, I'm smoking pot or maybe I'm drinking or maybe I'm just mm-hmm. ignoring like bills or like and, mm-hmm. and that, that relief is so precious and you, you go with it and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, this just made it like 10 times worse because now I actually have a problem. Like, yeah. I, I thought of. Yeah, 100%. So do you mind me asking, like, how, how do you deal with that, that pressure? Because one of the things that we talk about on the podcast is just the stigma of mental illness or mental health issues and you know, people, I'm sure they're not intentionally, I mean, I don't, I don't know your friends, but I'm, I'm assuming that they're not intentionally, you know, causing harm, but no, no, I, I'm no. just, I, I'm just kind of curious, like, how do you handle that? Because it is harmful. Um, it depends. Like, I think like, exp- I think most of my, fr- my friends just like get it now. Also, like sometimes like OCD is kind of intense. So it's kind of just like an awesome excuse to be like, sorry, I can't come tonight. I have OCD. Bye. Like, you know, nobody's going to argue with that. Everybody's going to be like, okay, yeah, sure. I get it. Whatever. <laughs> um, but when it's like a new situation or somebody I don't know that well, and I have to like explain why I like almost like screamed at them when they tried to take a sip of my drink I have to be like, I'm so sorry. Like, this is really awkward. I can't share drinks. Like, you know? Yeah, it's like, I I remember when I was in high school and I was working with the, I think it was the, maybe it was the Special Olympics or it was with some kind of, it it was some kind of event like that. And they were trying to recruit volunteers and it was, it was a, it was a, you know, in the auditorium and like some percentage of the school is there. And without telling me the person who was running it, the teacher was like, Hey Mike, why don't you come up and tell people about your experience? And, and that was probably meant as a, a nice, like, Hey, you do this and you've shown leadership in this. 
I swear I was like, I, I hate, I hate you so much. Yeah. I, hate you for the, I, I will hate, I hate, I hate her now, right now. Yeah. And I'm thinking about, and it's, it's kind of like what you're talking about the anxiety. Like when someone just like, Hey, you, you took a sip from my glass. Like you don't, you don't realize what you just did in my world. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're in your world and you think taking a sip from someone's glass or call, call, you know, people, Oh, they love to talk about their experience. I was like, yeah, I I I I was, I was like internally drenched with sweat. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And that's hard because it's like, how do you explain that to someone? Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. It's so hard. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of so many situations in my head where it's like I just had to say like why I did that. You know, like or like I remember the other day it was like really really hot out and this and I was so th- I had one water bottle that I hadn't opened yet. And this kid was like, I'm so thirsty. Like, uh, like I need water. And I was like, I have water. Like I have water. And if I give him a sip, I'm never going to drink a bit. And I was like, okay, here I have water. And then I opened the water bottle and like chugged like as much as I could. And then I just like gave him the rest of the water bottle. And I was like, all yours. And he's like, really? Like all for me? And I'm like, all yours. Like, I don't want to back. Like, <laughs> I don't ever want to touch that again. Yeah, because I like morally couldn't withhold the water, but I also couldn't share it. So I had to like, yeah. I gotta be honest. That's an awesome solution. When you first said it, I'm like, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't see how this is going to resolve. Like, I, <laughs> I actually was thinking, maybe you ask him. What I think I would have done was, I think I would have been like, so can you just like open your mouth and I'm going to, I'm going to pour it like at a distance. I can't even do that because in my head, it's like the germs, it's too close. It's too yeah, close yeah. quarter. Like I can't even do that. No, I think that was an awesome resolution. Thank you. Know? You. you know, so it's, you know, are there other things that you do that it sounds like, like medication was something that you started, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, if you feel comfortable talking about like what kind of medication you tried and what's worked and what hasn't. Yeah, I started with Zoloft and it just like made me way too nauseous. Like I couldn't eat. It was just really bad for my stomach and my nausea. And then when that didn't work, I switched to Prozac. And I've been on Prozac for like a couple months, a few months, like three months. And so far, like, no, like, real side effects other than just, like, dry mouth, which I think is pretty common with Prozac. But, yeah, so far it's been good. I started on a pretty low dose, and I've only, like, changed my dosage, like, one or two times. So it's been, like, pretty slow, but good. Yeah, and one of the things that's, I think, tough for people when they struggle with anxiety is they are legitimately very sensitive to the world around them. So like understanding and managing side effects is something that, that becomes a little bit more, more complicated because you, you don't, they don't know. And, and you don't know when you're working with someone like is the side effects they're having, you know, you, you, you kind of take every side effect as being real quote unquote, mm. but then you kind of think like, as, as people get used to it, we'll get better. And that's, I think, one of the tough things about, you know, it's, it's really it's really impressive that you were able to do the medication because a lot of people have those same the same fears they have about everything. They have fears about taking meds because of what it might or might not do. 
Yeah, I was like, I think the reason why I didn't see a psychiatrist for so long is because I was so scared to like take meds. I was like anxious about it. And then eventually it was just like, I can't just like live like this. Like, and I wasn't doing like anything, any like meditation or anything really in my like day-to-day life to help. And it was sort of just like a couple year cycle of this. And so I was like, maybe I could just try it. Like nothing's permanent. So I'm sort of in that like trial zone right now. Yeah. And when you're saying like, is meditation something that's that's helpful for you? I've never tried it, so I don't know. But my mom tells yeah. me to do it every day. She's like, have you meditated today? And I'm like, uh, no, does it look like I've meditated today? Like. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's so it's so hard because there are so many things that can work for different people. But, you know, sometimes, especially if we've been anxious for a long time, we find something that works. We kind of like get very, um, you know, not preachy necessarily, but we kind of think like, oh, we want to share it with the world. This is going to be something for everyone. So whether it's meditation or a certain medication or a certain kind of therapy or exercise Mm -hmm. you know and we assume it's going to work for everyone but it but it's not like it not every approach is right for every person yeah literally i'm just like i don't know how to tell you that this worked for you and not for me you know (laughs) yeah and so speaking of things that that work you know one thing that oftentimes when people are musicians they they find that a lot of stuff gets worked out in the music. Um, does I mean? But for some people, just like we said before, that may not be the case at all. You know, is is do you find that that writing and performing it like kind of makes you more or less anxious? Um, it's so funny because whenever I'm writing a song, I'm like, I hate this. This is the hardest thing to do ever. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I want to say. And then when I finish the song, I'm like, I love this. And then I just like listen over and over and over and over until I'm sick of it. And so I just remind myself in the process that like I'm going to get a result, whether I like it or not. And it's going to be something tangible that I can listen to. And then, you know, so I keep like pushing myself to finish the song so that I have something that I can reflect on. Uh, I love that because I feel like that's that's something that I kind of want for anybody that I'm working with or anybody mm-hmm. in my life or even for myself, that idea of, you know, try as best you can to think of the goal. And even if it's even if there's anxiety along the way, even if you have to completely stop doing it because you're so anxious, that idea of but like you can come back the next day, you can come back an hour later and it's still mm-hmm. there. Um, because I think that what happens for people when they get anxious is they assume that that goal that that maybe even made them anxious, you know, maybe they're mm-hmm. meeting someone or writing a song or or moving or whatever. It's, it's still there for you to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we feel like once we get anxious, oh, we've blown it. It's, it's over. Like, it's never going to work. Yeah, I have a million unfinished songs because of that. So <laughs> that's why I also like have trouble sometimes like writing songs by myself or like without somebody else in the room like holding me accountable to finish it I just like won't because I'm like second guessing everything that I wrote and all that god you know it's it's so tough again with that because you know 
it's it's hard to write amazing songs without going over and over and at least anytime i've heard of someone writing who does make songs they put so much time and energy into it and you know they go over and over and over it again and so if that's such a hard thing i feel like it's another example of where it's tough because it's like the anxiety kind of works sometimes you know mm-hmm. or in different ways even if it's painful yeah <sighs> i don't know so well, listen yeah thank you thank you so much this has been it's been great i really appreciate you sharing the story uh i dig your music so it's it's been extra it was extra fun for your know, researching for the interview to like you know dive into it even more not just the songs that i had already you know known about and so uh you know congratulations on all your success and i really appreciate you know appreciate you stepping up and sharing your story oh thank you so much thanks for wanting to talk to me absolutely take care best of luck with everything take care thanks so there it is claude talking about their struggle with anxiety as it manifested in generalized anxiety social anxiety ocd and panic I really appreciate Claude taking the time to talk about the range of anxiety that they struggle with. It's so helpful for Claude to share their experience because it helps those of us who struggle with anxiety feel a bit more validated, less stigmatized, and less alone. And one of the things I wanted to highlight in the discussion with Claude was something they said about feeling weird, particularly in social situations. When we are anxious, we feel different from others, weird, off, somehow less than. This is the common issue that happens with people with anxiety, specifically social anxiety. We are privy to every symptom of anxiety we have, every uncomfortable thought, every racing heartbeat, shortness of breath, dizziness, and numbness that we feel when we are anxious. And we know how many times we've repeated the same thought in our head or checked something over and over again. And in those moments, we often feel that everyone in the room must be aware of how we're struggling. And this feeling that we are weird, different, and alone in our anxiety can make our anxiety feel that much more painful and heightened. And that can happen sometimes. Sometimes people are judgmental and they pick up on our anxiety. But generally speaking, the outside world doesn't know all of that. Most of the time, people don't know that we are struggling or how much. So the world doesn't always think we are as weird as we think we are. But also, when we feel anxious, we think we are looking at a room of confident, non-anxious people. We think everyone else has their lives together, and we are the only ones who are struggling. But this is a good time to consider a common mantra that some people use as a method of coping. Don't judge your insides by other people's outsides. Just as we are sitting with our anxiety, so are many other people, regardless of how they may seem externally to you. In fact, anxiety is one of the most common emotions we experience, and anxiety disorders are among the most common mental health issues that people face. So even though we feel so different and less than, our feelings are often not as different from others as we may think. And so when we go into anxiety-provoking situations, it's important that we validate our anxiety and try to cope with it as best as we can, knowing that we are not as different or as alone in this struggle as we may think. I want to thank Consequence Podcast Network and Sound Mind Live for including me in this wonderful project. And thanks to Pete Wilson and the Rooks for letting us use their song, I Know. If you are struggling with anxiety, depression, or addiction, and are looking for help, please call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline at 1-800-622-4357. 
If you're thinking about harming yourself and want to seek help, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. You may also go to the Sound Mind Live and Consequence websites for more information. So be healthy, be safe, and be kind to yourself and others. See you next time at the Crossroads.